This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everyone and welcome to an extra Total Saints podcast for this week, ahead of our final league game at home to Manchester City. My name is Ben Stanfield and I'm the emotionally drained host of TSP. You can find me on Twitter under at Ben Stanners. Alongside me once more is the man who has travelled over 5,500 miles to watch Saints home and away this season, Adam Leach, at Adam Leach Sport on Twitter, the chief sports writer for our beloved Southern Daily Echo. Adam, makes a change but I think we're both looking forward to this podcast, aren't we? Yeah, it's just uh, the whole thing seems surreal to be honest, Ben. The, the whole experience of um, of like the last four or five days, it just it feels like it's a dream. I must admit, I feel absolutely drained, yeah. <laughs> totally drained today. Just um, just so spent, really. I, I don't. I must admit, I don't um, because I'm not like a fan. I don't. I don't get. Uh, too into it and and well i think you realize hopefully listeners realized um who listened to a number of podcasts i don't tend to get too up or down it to me it's you know it, it is what it is really it's it's my job and though obviously i want the team to do well it's um you know it's not life or death so i stay fairly even most of the time but i must admit on uh sunday obviously we record the pod and on monday as well after the everton game I was I, I I was feeling it. I must admit, yeah. I really was feeling it. And on uh, t- even Tuesday morning, I didn't feel relaxed oddly until I got in the car to start the drive to Swansea. Because at that point, I was like, right, okay, this is finally going to happen. Yeah. It's going to get done. And it had that real sense of uh, by the evening, uh, we, we'll we'll know we'll know one way or the other by by like half past nine, quarter to ten. And and thank goodness for that because it was the waiting that was just just absolutely killing you so yep. to to know now um really what the outcome is is just 
uh, a sense of relief, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's been the the, the, the thing for all of us. As, as I said in the last podcast, I think uh, I saw someone who said the other day, it's not the despair that kills you, it's the hope. And I think it is. It's that whole, the unknown of just, you just want to know, don't you? You just want to know one way or other what's going to happen. And finally, uh, we're at that stage. But it has been a, you know two, three weeks where every so often you thought they were going to pull themselves clear and then they've sunk back down and then they've sunk that back down and you've almost given up on them, not you personally, but us as a collective you. And uh, they turn it around. But you, you were just saying they're off air as well. I mean, it's obviously been a, a good day for the Echo in terms of lots of ratings, lots of hits. So I think everyone's sort of on the crest of a wave and getting a, a chance to come on your, um, you know, read some of your stuff. I, I know I read your verdict, which was a, an excellent piece. So it's been a good day in terms of traffic through the website as well. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it, it has been good. And, and it's what I always say is like, um, you, you know, sometimes uh, the, the thing is you get used to in my job. The, the flack is uh, um is thrown your way as well sometimes. Sometimes mm. you can't deny that um, that that we don't do things perfectly, and that's fair enough. But um, I, I, you know, you can write a piece, and quite, I've had this before in the past where there's a piece been written, and I've had people literally directly email me and to complain. One person complaining, why are you so negative? And the other one, why are you being so positive? From the same piece, and yeah. it just always goes to show that to try and you can only write what you what you think and what you see, and um, Obviously, there's an extra challenge for a game like Swansea because you're very aware that it's very momentous. The Echo is um, is still the primary resource for you know any historian that's looking back at what's happened at Saints, and and you do. It sounds a bit melodramatic, but you do kind of feel the weight of history on your shoulder in the big games, and you feel like you've really got to. Um, be there to sum it up because you think well people might be looking back at this when they're talking about the history of the club in 50 years time 100 years time 200 years time when we're all long gone your your sort of stuff might maybe still live on as as a definitive record of um, a written record of what happens and and in the midweek games as well uh, we're doing it all live under a tight deadline so that report I mean I was uh, the verdict, even though it's trying to be a considered piece that normally you'd like to leave and have a sleep on before you write. I was writing during the game while it was still going on before the result was settled and then finishing it up afterwards, obviously, once we knew the results. So yeah. it's it's hard to do. But it again shows um, with the hits and things like that, uh, the point I was sorry, got a bit uh, sidetracked from there is that no matter what people say or people throw at the echo, ultimately for all of us um, at not just at the paper, but in the city generally, Saints is success yep. um, helps us to be successful as well. Yeah. And so we, we all have a, a stake in that. Yeah, no, completely. And as you say, businesses and all those sorts of things. I, I quite like the thought, Adam, of it being the year 2321 or something and someone's flying around Mars on a space hopper and playing playing around in their space hopper is Total Saints podcast. I quite like the thought of that, listening back to a, a vintage edition where we're talking about the 1-0 the, the win after a Swansea game. So, yeah, I quite like the thought of that. So, uh, if, well, if, why not? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. when... Yeah. But I thought when we were kids, that was what it was going to be like in yeah. 2018, but it hasn't happened yet. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. So, well, there you go. If you're listening, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this uh, live in uh, 2018. So there we go. But uh, no, excellent. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we're going to chat about the uh, quite incredible 24 hours or so surrounding the uh, the Saints game down at Swansea. We're going to have a, a chat to Adam about how he found out and uh, sort of got involved in hashtag Marriott Gate. Um, we're going to sort of look at the police escort or not as it was. We're going to have a, a chat about the 
the, the stadium arrival stroll, which obviously Mark Hughes and his team did from the uh, the coach. We're going to have a, a chat about the, the general sort of result, the joy, the relief that I think many of us are feeling. Um, we're going to talk about Manolo Gabbiadini, um, zero to hero almost in the in, in the game at Swansea. We're, we're briefly going to touch on Mark Hughes and then I think just generally have a, a quick summary about um, you know what Saints need to do this weekend against Manchester City just to get themselves uh, across the line. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is Total Saints Podcast, episode 36. Saints, as we all now know, pulled off a fantastic 1-0 win at Swansea. Before we get into all of the sort of drama surrounding it, Adam, let's start at the end initially, maybe. Um, such a vital match for Saints, as we, we've uh, discussed in the intro, but a game you know, they realistically had to win, and uh, it wasn't pretty, but in the end, effective. Yeah, it was a dreadful game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I say that. It's weird because it, it was a dreadful. If you were like, if you had never watched football before and you turned up and saw that, you would never go back to another football match in your life, other than the atmosphere. But yeah. actually, for the sport, you never go back. I mean, it was it was an absolute shambles of a spectacle. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was riveting being there, sat in that stadium because the tension. Oh my goodness me! I mean, you could just feel it. It was just absolutely amazing, and um, the the game. I mean, I said in the last pod that, you know, we discussed the potential of it being very a nervy match, and it very much was. I think uh, what I, Swansea, um, I must admit, uh, I probably overestimated Swansea somewhat yeah. because I, I, I just couldn't quite get over how terrible they were. Yeah. I mean, they were absolutely a Bismally bad. So your, your um, 3-0 prediction was a bit of an underestimate in the end, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, all I'll say is that obviously I was getting a good ribbing from that for, from the Saints lads as well after the game. But I did point out if Charlie Austin would have brought his shooting boots with him, it would have been 3-0 yeah, or more, yeah, yeah, I think, true, given, the, given the chances that I would consider that uh, you would expect him to at least put two or three of those in the back of the net. Yep. Um, not none. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's me defending myself early there. My early... A little punch in there, but Swansea, um, they looked really nervous even when they walked out. You mm. could just see them, and they were they were coming out of the tunnel and lining up. And I thought then, oh, this looks this looks perhaps good for Saints. And mm. and then it was that typical uh, type of game that you get in these situations where um, neither team really wants to make a mistake, and so it was just long balls. Yeah. I mean, it was just like being punted up the pitch. One team would punt it up, the other team would punt it up, heavy touches. You just Nobody wants to be the one to make that one crucial error yeah. um, that, that costs you. And you just end up with this long ball game. And uh, Swansea as well, I mean, they hadn't, they, they just didn't have the personnel for it. I mean, if they were going to play direct, if that was actually a tactic rather than just nerves, mm. they've got a massive guy on the on the bench in Tammy Abraham, yep. but they didn't play him. They're playing the Ayus up front. It yeah. made it so easy for Saints. I mean, Saints could not have dreamt of it being made any easier for them, really, than, than it was. And obviously, when they got their goal, eventually as well, I mean, they came under virtually no pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than the, probably the nerves that they felt internally, really, Swansea put them under no pressure whatsoever. I mean, you didn't feel... Again, I know I said this about the Everton game, and obviously Everton did score, but you didn't feel really that the Swansea were going to equalize I mean it wasn't as if there was a, like a late cavalry charge and 
um, you know, it was it was tin hats on and clinging on. I mean, Saints were in that second half established themselves as being comfortably better and really um, su- surprisingly, given the importance of the game and that it was only one nil, really coasted to over the line. They didn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that nervy. Um, they they were just by far the superior team, mm-hmm. especially in the second half, and and thoroughly deserved the win. Yeah, we, we've spoken about um, after the Everton game that they'd shown guts and character. I mean, that was a, a big game. And as I say, we will talk about the drama surrounding it in a minute. But in terms of the history of the club, Adam, you know, that that's probably going to be one of the most important wins that the you know, Saints will ever have, probably, certainly in the, the most recent uh, past. Well, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, you only know that with hindsight. Um, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, it feels big at the moment. You don't know in the fullness of time. I mean, it was a bit like when we were talking about the Player of the Season award, and now Alex McCarthy. Uh, you, you, well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, I was saying it, the reason I was talking about the tradition in the last pod and the reasons to continue it, and that there are good times and there are bad times. And realistically, yes, we all remember it was bad in 2005 and then they've been relegated again. But so it's not as if these things never happen and you hopefully you come back from them and now they seem like a, a distant memory. So you never know in hindsight, so you could get relegated next season for all we know, mm-hmm. or, you know, they could finish in the Champions League places. Who knows? It could be a decisive season, but it feels big right now because you're in the middle of it. And um, obviously they, they wanted to retain their Premier League status. It's important uh, for, for the club and for the city, as we mentioned. And so, um, it, it was a huge game and, and credit to um, the players who delivered. But I think um, especially to Mark Hughes, who I, I think um, particularly with this game recognised what a sort of one-off match it was. Mm. Or almost, you know, people liken it to a cup tie because it was kind of a one-off game in a long season. Um, and I, I think really the way he managed um, the team in terms of their motivation and mentally as much as anything, I think it was a masterstroke from him. Mm. The whole, the whole setup of the whole, uh, the way the whole 24 hours went, um, I think Mark Hughes was the orchestra conductor extraordinaire really, because yeah. I think that he, uh, he really drove a lot of that and, um, yeah, and it really came off. It was a bit of a siege mentality, I think, in the end, wasn't it? So, uh, um, start starting with the hotel scenario. Then, um, I think it was Ian Ladyman and uh, who originally broke the story um, just, just just the day before about the fact that Saints had been moved from their hotel at short notice and had their their booking cancelled. And I think had inquired about going to try and find out and, and view it for themselves and not being told and, and that sort of thing. And you know, obviously, Saints fans I know have had quite a bit of fun with the Swansea Marriott since Adam. And I know the club obviously made a fantastic post today where they did their review and it's uh, gone viral as often happens with our uh, fantastic media team. But you know, looking at the the hotel, I, I, know, I know that there was no necessarily implications towards Swansea City Football Club specifically. But joking aside, it was a bit of an inconvenience for Saints in terms of the the the, the, the game and the significance of that having to change location at such uh, short notice. I imagine. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the the whole cavalcade of things, yeah, we'll come on to the other elements as well. I think when you look at them all, actually, they they were all. I don't think this was any kind of orchestrated campaign against Saints. Mm, mm. Um, I think this was uh, a, a heap of uh, individual things that all just kind of happened and conspired, um, but also uh, were used 
um, to great effect by Mark Hughes. Mm, mm. He used these things um, to motivate the team. Yeah. Um, they might not have needed that motivation. We don't know. But you know, he he really was able to get a grasp of these issues and use them as as a big carrot for the team, a big motivational tool. And it really it did pay off. And that's what I mean. Like he was the conductor of the orchestra yep. um, in, in a way of all of this. He was the ringmaster, if you like, of the St. Circus, because um, all of this kind of revolved around him in some way. And, uh, and, and even when the players got off the coach and came in, I was speaking to people who, who saw them come in. I hadn't seen them coming. So I was doing uh, preoccupied with something else. Mm. And, um, they were saying that people, these are people who see them regularly, that there's a fire in their eyes yeah. that, that you, we haven't really seen for a very long time. And, um, yeah, and, and they managed to use that and to control it and got them over the line in the end. And, and with the hotel thing, I think, uh, Mark Hughes' assessment was, um, it was nothing to do with Swansea City Football Club. Yeah. It was pro- probably an overzealous, I think his quote was an overzealous Swansea fan who, who had the, ability to affect the uh hotel booking and obviously that use that in the hope that that maybe it would disrupt saints we don't really know what the actual truth of it is um you know the swansea mario as far as i'm aware haven't uh haven't said anything uh, much about it so we don't really know quite what happened there but obviously it was a very short notice cancellation i mean it wasn't the, the truth is the the what's mad about it, if if indeed this was a deliberate um, kind of attempt to undermine Saints in some way, rather than uh, a genuine uh, problem with the hotel, then it backfired in quite the most spectacular way. Because I don't, you know, it. Trust me, knowing what footballers are like, mm. anybody who's dealt with footballers, they they wouldn't have been all that bothered. They get on and off planes and buses and sleep in random hotels all the time. Yeah. They don't know where they are most of the time because that's all they do. They don't. They don't. With all due respect to them, they don't have to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. They just get told turn up at you know Staplewood at ten o'clock, and the next thing they know, they're in a hotel somewhere, and, they, and then they're on a bus, and then they're in the ground, and then they play a game, and, and then they're back home. It, it wouldn't have bothered them. A fire alarm at two o'clock in the morning would have bothered them. Mm-hmm. You know the the famous old food poisoning event that we saw before would have bothered them just making them change hotel was was so neither here nor there especially as it wasn't like they got there and got kicked out no you know before the players even knew and yet it gave mark you something ammunition to use and it didn't affect the team at all so i mean if that if it was deliberate and it wasn't just unfortunate uh coincidence then it backfired in the most spectacular fashion. Yep. Do you know, I, I started doing some research today ahead of our podcast, and I, uh, I thought I'd try and find um, some dirty tactics that had happened in football before, because obviously there's been, you know, you hear of sort of England staying in a hotel in Germany, and there's an Oompa Loompa band outside, or the, <laughs> the sun do it or something. The, be- the best one I could find, actually, was, um, and I feel sorry for the New Zealand uh, football team having read this, but the best one that I could come up with, Adam, was that um, end of last year, November 2017, New Zealand international football team were playing in Peru, um, so I imagine it would have been a World Cup um, sort of CONCACAF 
qualifier or something like that. Um, anyway, there was um, fireworks set off outside their hotel at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, <laughs> there was then a, the, the best thing is there was then a military low fly past of aeroplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I couldn't quite pin a time on that. Um, then and, and then if it wasn't any worse, um, the Peru locals in the stadium were then firing later. Uh, you know, um, what, what do you say? Not firing lasers, but they were um, using laser pens to sort of get in the New Zealand players' eyes. So, so it suffice to say, Peru are going to the World Cup. Obviously, so uh, it obviously worked, but yeah, that was the best I could find. So at least it wasn't quite that extreme, anyway. So uh, no, yeah. definitely not. No, was, I mean, Hotel Gate. When you actually look at what Hotel Gate was, uh, was really uh, yeah. completely something or nothing. And, <laughs> it was, but yeah. but it, it just it, uh, it and the other events that we'll probably talk about now just provided a, a completely marvelous backdrop yeah. to what was such a massive game. It just. It just, to be honest with you, it's a day I, don't, I think will live yeah. a long time in my memory covering, a, covering a, not just a game like that, but the way the whole yeah. event unfolded yeah. and just added to this surreal, dreamlike atmosphere. Yeah. Like the whole thing was just, just like, just yeah. today, I even, you know, the day later, I'm still thinking, <laughs> did all that really I happen? Know, I know, the, the complete indignity of having to go from a four star to a five star. I mean, it's just disgraceful. <laughs> no, no one should have to go through that, should they? So, there, there we go. So, so, that's, so the next thing was, um, obviously they'd moved to the Vale of Glamorgan Hotel. Um, our understanding was, looking at it from the outside in, was that there would be a, a police escort to get them through any rush hour traffic. The first we kind of knew of it, Adam, was when you uh, were hot off the press and uh, tweeted to say that you'd heard that the police escort had been cancelled. So, you know, not with that, giving any confidentiality away, but how did you sort of get that message and was there sort of panic around the stadium that they wouldn't make it or did everyone seem quite relaxed about that scenario? Well, I mean, they set off in a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, they set off in a lot of time to make sure that they were going to get through the rush hour. Um, who knows exactly how that unfolded? I mean, nobody's quite got to the bottom of quite what happened and whether, again, just miscommunication. I, I think so. I mean, the, there's, you know, the police are just not going to are just not going to turn up for something yeah. they've committed to unless there's a very serious reason to do it. So yeah. um, who knows? But I think Saints were concerned that obviously you only needed one accident somewhere to get and you get stuck on the coach. And it was it was already a longer coach journey than I, they ideally wanted. I yep. don't like the players sat around for a long time before a game yep. uh, on a coach or anything like that. So they set off. They set off in a lot of time and they didn't hit any traffic, mm. which mm. then played into the next scenario. incident number three <laughs> I was going to say just, just before we move on I wasn't sure if the police had gone to the Swansea Marriott to investigate sort of uh, illegal cancellation of booking rooms or something like that so, perhaps uh, they'd gone to uh, to to investigate the virus <laughs> exactly was, uh, yeah, the so. Ebola virus or something <laughs> so yeah so yeah. So then we move on to scenario three so the Saints team arrive in plenty of time Adam Leach tweets to say they've arrived ahead of schedule so everyone's relaxed again Adam we're all seeing your tweets coming through and then suddenly the Saints team get told that they'll have to wait for 25 minutes because the Swansea coach that was meant to be there before them is unloading um, Mark Hughes obviously frustrated by this stage demands that the coach parts where it is everyone gets off they walk the 100 yards up to the ground and as you mentioned earlier we see on the video the, the Saints media team put the video of them arriving at the ground and they all look quite frustrated and grumpy and a bit red-faced and all that sort of thing as well so again I mean a bizarre scenario where you end up with a professional football team in the Premier League walking 100 yards in their suits in the heat to get to the football stadium and again, I think another thing that in his isolation actually wasn't a deliberate tactic, but, you know, but it's just uh, what basically um, what I was led to believe from the people at Swansea. And I, I just have to say, put this on the record, mm. actually going to Swansea 
every year is is actually always a joy because the people there are lovely yeah they're about the most helpful nicest like people around football clubs you could find mm. so to think that they would have orchestrated this deliberately does does to be honest seem hard to believe yeah. but i think in saints's mind by that stage there were so many things mounting up that mm. i think that and and mark hughes obviously you know his nickname sparky for a reason i think he was the, the the lid was boiling on the pot, you know, it was rattling away. And I think it, think it was going to take much to, to blow off, to be honest, yeah. by the sounds of it. So I think what happened uh, effectively is that uh, at Swansea, obviously Liberty Stadium isn't that big a stadium. Mm-hmm. You can imagine uh, bringing the footballers in. There's a lot of security around, as you know, yeah. uh, to keep them protected and keep them safe when they come into the grounds. There's protocols, health and safety protocols and security protocols that are agreed between clubs and in the Premier League and all that kind of stuff. So... What they do is both teams have uh, had a scheduled arrival time because being a smaller stadium, they can only take one team in at a time. Yep. Uh, Swansea were meeting somewhere else and were getting a coach in as well. They don't drive individually to the to the games, if that makes sense. And, and Saints were getting their coach in. Now, Saints, having set off early because of hotel gate um, to miss the traffic, didn't hit any traffic and arrived ahead of their slot. Swansea were... Um, bang on for the slot and weren't quite there yet from what i understand they were just literally arriving but they were on time for their slot so basically what the 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 powers that be there said well okay swansea you you basically saying you're gonna have to wait because you're early basically swansea are coming in they're going to unload come in we'll then get once they're all safely in we'll get their coach out of the way and then you can bring yours in so saints sort of came to the stadium in a couple of installments while all this was being discussed and then i think once um if the message filtered through to saints that uh okay you just need to wait for about 25 minutes i think that was when mark hughes said open this door we're everybody get up we're going and uh and and then just yeah, that was it. He just led them off. It was like everybody get your because if anybody's ever watched a football team coach, um, people get up, people getting off when they arrive at a ground. You won't believe how long it takes. Bearing in mind how few of them there are, and there's about nine I mean, doors on the coach and everything. Yeah, exactly. It, it takes ages for them all to get off. Yeah. Like one of them will be virtually a change for the match before the last <laughs> manage to make it off the bus sometimes, or so it seems. Yeah. But they were all off in a pretty quick fashion in this one because I think I think Mark Hughes was like. Right, everybody, we're going. Yeah. Did, he, um, did, he, did he pat them on the head and count them before they walked up? <laughs> didn't lose anybody. Um, yeah, pair up. Yeah. Well, Kino Carrillo was on the bench, so maybe they lost somebody. That's, well, they lost somebody. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that might be a bit harsh. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Gideon, um, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just in a good mood, obviously. We but, all, um, we've all gone mad. We've all gone yeah, mad. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that was the, the next event. But again... I think, in fairness to Swansea, maybe it was a bit of overzealousness. Perhaps they could have actually have said, you know, you only need to wait 10 minutes and they could have hurried up this turnaround between the coaches and that yeah. would have seemed more reasonable. Yeah. But they were obviously, somebody was just, maybe it was a bit jobsworthy, I don't know, but somebody was obviously just trying to think, what the heck are we going to do? We've got yeah. both buses here basically <laughs> at the same time yeah. and we can't safely guarantee that they can get in safely yeah um obviously mark you said well if anybody wants to have a go i'll, I'll take them on i think yeah. and just so oh, let's let's, let's charge <laughs> oh, um hey, let's hey. just go for it but hey. again 
it just it just perfectly played <laughs> into his hands in a way because yeah. it was like if any more motivation was needed, here it is. We are the underdogs. Look what they're yeah. doing to us. Back to the wall. <laughs> I, I think if Swansea really were involved and would yeah. have wanted to have made this um, bad, you know, you'd have had the the whole. It was a hot night. You'd have had the blinking dressing room yeah. heater broken wouldn't yeah, you and it was yeah. turned up to 100 degrees the toilets are blocked and yeah. all that kind of stuff but no, it was completely yeah. normal for yeah. them once they got there yeah. so it was a just a strange series of events really that it just it's just so weird how it all yeah. conspired in the way it did and, and obviously being there reporting on it and getting all these snippets all the time from people as to what was going on and then putting them out and watching yeah. the reaction it, it was make just a great film. remarkable yeah. and, and at this time I imagine the police escort have now arrived somewhere between Cardiff and Swansea and trying to find a coach on the road or something like that it so, might still be there <laughs> <laughs> oh dear there we go I mean it's just yeah an incre- I mean it's incredible to think that this is the Premier League and all of that was happening and as you say I'm sure there are reasons to it but yeah I mean it sounds like a Sunday League event more than a Premier League event doesn't it but well yeah. I think that's the thing they're, they're potentially uh, are, uh, are uh, perfectly reasonable explanations that all of these things happen and they're all perfectly innocent all of them from hotel gate to you know police escorts escort yeah, arriving yeah. at the ground yeah. gate arrival um, gate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gate i see what you've done there that's thanks, very good thanks thanks um yeah it's uh all of these things might just be perfectly innocent and perfectly easily explained away but as i said it was just that's why i called it like a, a bit of a masterstroke i think yeah. because there is a chance that, and under any normal circumstances for a normal game, we probably wouldn't have even known about any of no. this, really, because nobody would have been that fussed about it. But being the game it was, and Mark Hughes obviously wanting to use this, I think he just used it in a in a motivational, managerial masterstroke, really. He yeah. used it completely to their advantage, and... Uh, and it worked a Just, treat. Justice was served, no, completely. So, all right, well, moving on to the game, though, I wasn't going to spend loads of time talking about particular individuals because I think we agreed it was a uh, a really good battling, committed effort. Um, I am going to mention Alex McCarthy's save briefly from AU, whether the one that he tipped over the bar, which will probably give him a few more votes uh, to, towards his successful Player of the Season award. Um, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a bit like Nathan Redmond up at Everton. Obviously, it was uh, Redmond's first contribution at uh, Everton. Not quite his first contribution, but in terms of Gabbiadini, Adam, he's been pretty quiet all season. He's not had a, a, a you know vast amount of opportunities, but what a time to turn up with a goal like that! Yeah, um, it was a it was a strange old goal, wasn't it? Really, I mean, it was a, such a scrappy game that yeah. it kind of almost deserved a scrappy winner. Yeah. And you know, sometimes, as much as uh, we've at times bemoaned uh, Saints' bad luck and things like that, and obviously I know after the the Chelsea game, Mark Hughes was sort of complaining a bit about. Yeah, we've been a bit unlucky. This is the league game. Yeah, the ball broke in the area and every time it fell to one of them. Yeah. Well, this was the opposite, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Now, Saints deserve to win, but, you know, they, they got a pretty big slice of luck in that goal, really. In the um, Obviously, they got a couple of headers, which was which was just good play. Austin's shot wasn't the best, but no, yeah. managed to cause enough of a problem because he didn't hit it that cleanly. Mm. And then... There's a whole heap of bodies there. It could literally go to anybody, couldn't it? It could have just been hacked away on another day if it had just bounced slightly more one way or the other. Full straight to Gabbiadini. Even his finish isn't convincing. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's from like, that it's distance, like, yeah. it kind of scuffs into the net. And you're just like, wow, this is this seems like it must be fate. But as I say, that doesn't. Uh, I wouldn't for one second want to say that it was a lucky win because it, it clearly wasn't. They thoroughly deserved 
the win, however it came. It's like it's like you read my notes, Adam, because I've got here, and I'm going to read it word for word just to bore all our, our viewers, but I've got, not had much uh, luck all season, except maybe Bobby Madley at Burnley when he got in the way, yet that goal ricochets off about four pairs of shin pads and finds its way into the bottom corner. Finally, some much-deserved luck. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's exactly, yep. just sums it up. Yeah, yeah just when we needed it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's when you have that like feeling of maybe it was fate all along, and then yeah. you were just sat there afterwards going... All these weeks and months yeah. of talking about all this and everybody worrying and everything like that, and pop, it's all just gone in, yeah. a, in an instant. And you're like, why did we waste our time I doing know. this? I know. And what, the re- what and is the it about this, of the this fixture, sport? which we mentioned as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. a, it's a silly game. Let's, let's just give game. this up and let's yeah. just uh, take up knitting or something for next season. <laughs> I, I, yeah, imagine a knitting podcast. We should look into that. Um, <laughs> there we go. Right, Mark Hughes. Um, Obviously, we're not massive, um, mathematically safe yet, so we don't want to get too carried away. And I appreciate that there's quite a, a turnaround that's needed and quite a set of results. But under him, Adam, I mean, that's one, two, drawn two of our last four Premier League games now. Just when we needed that momentum, eight points out of 12. You know, I know he came into a bit of a win-win situation because we were struggling and he knew that he just had a contract until the end of the season. But... In terms of what he has delivered, and I know we've spoken about it a few times, I mean, it was clear to see at the end last night that he cared and he was passionate. And as a fan, you know, that's one is what you want to see as a manager. We've had a, a couple of quiet ones, the last um, you know, couple in Puel and Pellegrino. But I don't think we can underestimate the job that Hughes has done in a short space of time. No, and as I said, I think that was the piece de resistance, really, the Swansea game. Ooh, uh, it, on, Lovely. Uh, <laughs> 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 on so many levels, it was, um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, he just did, he did a great job. Uh, he's done a great job, obviously, um, to get them out of the mess. Um, and and that Swansea game was, was just really, and everything that happened, just and the way he, he dealt with it, the way he used all those situations, just really. Uh, topped it off and yeah I mean we were well I was smiling to myself last night and thinking had Claude or uh, Maurizio been in charge with all due respect they probably would have sat on the bus for 25 minutes um, so not well, who knows whether that would have made a yeah. difference but anyway listening, they, to I, a, listening to a knitting podcast yeah total knitting podcast um, so yeah I, I mean he's done it he's done what he was brought in to do, what he was asked to do, what he's being paid to do. I've no doubt um, he's probably got, a, you know, on a very big bonus. But he's, um, the guy's a winner. Mm. And whether uh, actually Southampton Football Club, you know, means that much to him like it does to the fans and things like that. Well, yeah, probably not. He's managed a lot of other clubs. But the guy's a winner. And it doesn't matter what badge he's wearing. He wants to win for his own uh, you know, just because that's that's the mentality he's got, yeah. and and he's at Saints at the moment, and he knew it was a difficult job, and he delivered. And he said often, um, he doesn't wear not being relegated as a manager as a badge of honour. Mm. Um, but I think it does mean I actually do think it means a lot to him because he's mentioned it quite a lot. So I suspect he's it does actually mean quite a lot to him. Mm. Uh, and to have done it in this scenario, um. You know, when, uh, you know, not that long ago, Saints looked in, in absolutely desperate trouble. Uh, well, I mean, from his point of view, it's it, he's now if he wasn't in a win win situation, he, he is now because yeah. he either is going to get a very good lucrative contract to stay at Saints or um, potentially he moves. He doesn't stay and, and the, the, for whatever reason and moves on to pastures new and. Well, I mean, somebody will will desperately want to uh, snap him up, if not now, then at some point during the season, given what he's just done 
uh, to save Saints. He, he, he will very much be seen as a very valuable firefighting type of manager and uh, good on him and, and he deserves it because he's, he's, um, he's done the job. There was, um, I know when you were talking with the, the Radio Solent guys after the, the Cup semi-final, there was a, a lot of chat about what may happen in terms of the ownership and the, the, the board, and you made some very good points about that whoever's in charge will want to bring their own man in and that sort of thing. There, there's been, um, I know Sam Wallace and the Telegraph has reported today, Thursday, that uh, there, there will be conversations happening about his contract next week, and there's already been some preliminary ones, but... In your view, Adam, I mean, I know time will tell, obviously, the, the exact answer again, but do you foresee Saints trying to sort of encourage him to, to stay longer term, or, or do you think there will need to be some dust that sort of settles first? I, I, well, it's a difficult one, because I, I actually think that, realistically, the dust does need to settle a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I feel that that's sensible um, on all, for all parties, yeah. for, for Mark Hughes as well as uh, for Southampton Football Club. Now... It, it very much all depends what's going to happen at the very top of the club, which is something that at this point we don't know. We, we suspect that there might be a head or two, a sacrificial lamb, that you know somebody's head rolls um, because the fans might might feel it's it's necessary, it's demanded almost um, that somebody pays for 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 the for the price for this uh, season and, and and how it's gone so badly, uh, so badly wrong, mm. almost disastrously wrong, but yep. but not quite in the end. And if uh, that is to be on the football side, if that is to be Les Reed, for example, then uh, it doesn't make sense for Les Reed um, as the person in charge of football to appoint the manager before he goes. Yeah. Um, that's you wouldn't expect that in any other walk of life because you are then lumbering your uh, your successor with a choice that's, that's potentially not theirs. What I will say is that there is clearly uh, going to be a fan clamour. Uh, for Hughes to take over as he is, you know, held as the saviour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously plays into it. We don't know exactly what Mark Hughes wants to do yet. Um, he's been very coy about that when asked. He hasn't really committed himself one way or another. He probably wanted to see how the season was going to pan out as well. And I imagine being the canny operator he is on Friday, we'll, we'll be certainly at the press conference, we'll be asking him all about it. And I imagine. I can almost write the answer now. You know, we've got, it's not the time. We've got to get the job done. We're still not safe yet. Yep. Uh, you know, all that can wait, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep. I imagine that's the stuff we'll get from him. So whether that's playing for time or or not, um, you know, just to get the season out of the way. And, and then once we're we're all out of sight, out of mind, then, then he can kind of make his own decision. So I think the dust has to settle. Now, it can't wait too long because the club can't go into a long period of drift mm. come the end of the year because it needs some certainty, it needs some direction. So what we, what I, I, I would urge them to avoid is what we had um, after uh, Claude uh, finished the season last year when we had this so-called forensic review into the season. Now, I mean, to me, that was a complete nonsense. You yep. could have conducted a forensic review into the season in a couple of hours mm. Um especially if you work there all the time and you're living through it. I, I Sorry, I can't buy there. It takes two weeks yep. or more. Um, and that period of drift isn't helpful. Um, so I, I think it is important that, that there are decisive steps taken. Uh, whether Mark Hughes is the right man or not, I think is only right that the person, whoever that is, whether it's Les or somebody else, who's in charge of the football side, comes in and makes that decision. And also Mark has to decide whether he wants it. And if, it, it, and also, 
of course, if the situation there changes, if it's not Les Reed anymore, if it is somebody else or the structure of what they're doing, whether he wants to work within that structure, whatever it is as well, or for whoever that new person is. So I think you very much, it'd be very prudent to do one thing at a time. But I think what I would urge Saints is, is as I've said before, that, you know, I think I joked once that, you know, Les Reed can make taken out of the bins I was last just thinking, all day. I was thinking that. Yeah, um, I was thinking that. And, but Saints as a club have a tendency to be a bit like that. They seem to take, you know, manage to string everything out at mm. times. Mm. Um, so I would just urge on this occasion that the Ducks are in a row now. We know already that they're going to be in pretty much in the Premier League next season. We can start planning for that. There's obviously plans already taking place for this Chinese tour and things like that. Yeah. So there's no excuse not to get the the house uh, in order and to have the big decisions made within certainly within a week after the end of the season 10 days at most you know at least yeah. then everybody will know where they're going uh, and and you know that gives everybody time to have a think about it once you know a couple of days to gather thoughts once man city's been and gone and this season's finished yeah even quincy promises phone number will probably be uh dragged up at some point won't it but uh, there we go I mean ultimately then Adam I know you've recently mentioned quite rightly that there shouldn't be too much celebration about the position we found ourselves in and your verdict very much said about uh, the inquest that will probably be uh, uh, around the corner but I guess in light of everything that has happened the, the, the fact that you know, we found ourselves where we did, that we just about managed to save ourselves. Just to sort of summarise and conclude, really, I guess the relief at the end and the sort of outpouring of joy was probably understandable from players, staff and fans alike. Yes, I think I think so. I mean, my uh, I, I feel a bit mixed on all of that because um, I think that the fans, my, my personal opinion, uh, I put out a tweet about it kind of last night and obviously I've written the verdict about it. Uh, I don't know whether I was quite clear enough, especially in the tweet, as to what I meant. But I don't. I didn't mean that the fans shouldn't celebrate because I think uh, actually it's, they've been through so much miserable stuff this season. I think that they deserve the right to actually have a mm. bit of uh, celebration. I, I mean, I was more getting at other people at the club, including the players. I must admit, I did find it a little bit galling uh, to a degree when after the game the players were all linking hands and giving it the big ray ray yeah. ray and then jumping around the dressing room as if they just won a trophy yeah, yeah. um that they, they haven't they've they've had a spectacularly ter- terrible season mm-hmm. um i don't think standing there going cheer us we're heroes yeah. is uh to me i i just I, I i'm not entirely think that was but but to be fair i i mean i'm i'm perhaps uh, it's easy for me to say that when I'm sat there and I'm not going through the emotions that yeah. they're going through because it was a very emotional moment. So I, I'm going to I actually am, even though I was a bit uh, sort of taken aback by the by the celebrations for, you know, if that's the if that's the kind of celebrations that you now reach for getting 36 points <laughs> in a season, then, yeah. you know, goodness me, if they qualify for Europe again, <laughs> we'll have to d- dust off a, <laughs> an open top bus or something. But yeah. I, I understand I, I am. I feel I have to put that on record and say that yeah. my I find it reservations. But all of that said, I think that in the circumstances, given how much pressure and tension they must have felt in the build-up to that game and that they delivered a win, mm. I think it's only fair to forgive them uh, that because I think actually in fairness to the majority of them, when you hear from them and when you speak to them, they do show a lot of humility. Mm. And uh, I think the majority of them are like that. The majority of them are a good bunch of guys. 
And I think that they realise this season isn't good enough. But I, you know, I think we can write that off and, and let it and let it slip as the emotion uh, of the moment. And in many ways, because of the pressure they'd had, maybe it's fair enough. I think. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think many fans would agree with you. I, I walked into the office this morning, and the first person I saw said, "I thought you won the Premier League last night." The way your players were acting. So yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right, and uh, it, it is understandable. But I think, yeah, I guess my view would be certainly from the fans, and as a fan myself, that it was probably more relief than enjoyment and excitement. But uh, no, can can you know completely agree with what you said there and I think as I say many listeners uh, will do um, just just finally then looking ahead to Manchester City in the final game of the season this Sunday Adam obviously they're an incredible team and you know whilst we put ourselves in a great position it's not you know we're not mathematically safe yet but I mean do we still need to treat it as a as a bit of a cup final and go out there obviously they're going to be professional do you think there will be a, an element of a again a party atmosphere in inverted commas around the stadium through the the, the relief scenario that we've just spoken about I think there certainly will be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I think there will be a uh, very much so a, a bit of a party atmosphere. I think people will uh, very much come along to have a good day out is, is, you know, I think probably a lot of us thought that everything could be riding on that day and it could be incredibly nervy uh, or, or it could even be a day of mourning almost that it almost uh, slipped away already. So yeah. to turn up there and feel like there's not really that much on this is, um, is a great feeling so why not go and enjoy it i my expectation is that we'll hear a lot of uh, positivity from saints fans we'll hear a lot of uh, support towards particularly mark hughes mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if we hear people voicing their frustrations at other people as yep, well whoever that may be yep. i think that and and to be honest if they're going to do it now is the appropriate time to do it because mm-hmm. they're not going to be really knocking the team the mm-hmm. team are only going to need support if they're four nil down at half time yeah yep. um uh, if that scenario occurs, then yes, everybody's got to get their game head right back on again. Yeah. But assuming that they're not 4-0 down at half-time, then, um, then I think now's the time to, for people to say their piece, whatever it is. And then we can all uh, feel it's put to bed and everybody moves on, decisions are made in the summer. But I'm expecting a party atmosphere. I'm personally... For the first time in ages, looking forward to going to a game yeah, yeah. to cover it because it's not this horrible, high-pressure, tense affair, yeah. and it'll be nice to see uh, all the guys, all my friends there as well, a lot more relaxed and a lot happier. And um, yeah. that was really, uh, I think I put it on Twitter as well. That was my overriding emotion afterwards. Was I mean, I saw the faces of a lot of my friends who work at the club yeah, in the in the day of, of the game, before the game, and even in the weeks leading up as well. Other people I know, and I could see the tension, and I could feel the worry. People worrying about their own jobs, mm. uh, ordinary folk, not people earning big money, uh, just people doing an honest job who really care about the club. Yeah. And um, this isn't their fault. They did nothing. To, to contribute yeah. to this and yet we know it would be them who would pay the price if if they went down and so it's great uh, for those people mm. I'm really pleased for all of all of those people that, that this won't affect them and so let's just go and uh, enjoy the day yeah. and to be honest with you having seen Swansea even though Stoke are terrible I'm not even that confident they'll beat uh, Stoke they yeah, are no. so Swansea are yeah. so dreadful yeah. so they're dreadful beyond what I imagined they could mm. possibly be mm. so whether they'll have the heart to go again against Stoke or not, uh, who knows but um, to think of them that they're going to beat Stoke by four or five or something and Saints are going to lose by four or five is so improbable I think everybody go and actually let's enjoy enjoy a day at St Mary's because worst case scenario if Saints get beat Man City are brilliant so let's just enjoy watching Man City if Man City turn up and win three or four nil 
uh, and, and assuming that obviously Swansea aren't romping away against Stoke, let's enjoy Man City's football. They're one of the best teams the Premier League's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just have a good day out of the football. That's that's what I that's what I think. Um, yeah. And let's just enjoy it because there's not been much to enjoy. There's not been many games that hasn't been. Uh, absolute horrible pressure in the last few months. Yeah, no, t- totally agree, Adam. Well said. And I, I certainly don't know as many people at Southampton Football Club as you do, but I, I certainly was pleased for uh, Greg and the Foundation guys that that'll obviously be something very important as well. But look, look final question on Man City, Adam: Must win or not? <laughs> You'd love it if I, I said do yes. Love it. God, you? Just say you just love end it. the season on high. Say yes, it must not. win. I've said no, it's, it's not so must boring. win. Oh yeah, and you know what? Hasn't it proven to be correct oh, at the end? Oh, here we go, yeah. Well, bit Thank like, you very bit like, much. Bit like your 3-0 prediction. Thank you very much. Well, safe with a game to spare, so <laughs> what can I say? It was, yeah. I, I think I think I've been proven correct, no, and we'll have, hear no more yeah. of it. No, we won't. That's it. And, next, and I can't wait for the first podcast of next uh, pre-season when I can ask you when we play China president's 11 or something and just ask you if you think that one's must win so look out for that um look there we go um right come on then predictions i don't really care what we say anymore to be honest but just hit me with something oh let's go let's go three one man city oh they're they're good it would be it would be great to see a a little bit of them turn up and playing wouldn't it now saying to safe because they're they're just a joy to watch and that's what we watch football for we watch it for great players and um man city have got uh, they're brilliant it would be great to see i'd love to see saints give them a real game and I, and I think that they will they'll be a lot more relaxed they'll be able to play yeah. a bit of football as well yeah. um but but you know it doesn't it doesn't ultimately it doesn't matter man city no. are, are uh you know are, are breaking all the records best team in the premier yeah. league ever probably yeah. might get 100 points yeah. uh let's just let's just enjoy the spectacle yeah, I'll be honest, Ad, so I'd rather that Saints sort of drill one than watching Man City turn us over. But uh, no, I understand what you're saying. But Oh, not... yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think everybody who turns up in, in the Saint, with a Saints persuasion is going to feel that. But yeah. you, know, you know what I mean. But I, I do, just think I it's... Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good day. Uh, I'm just so glad that there's nothing riding on this because yeah. that fixture at the end, when you've seen it on the fixture list from day one, yeah. when we didn't know they were going to be in trouble, but we hoped yeah. that maybe it would be, you know, if it came down to the end of the season, we were hoping to finish in the European spot yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it's, it sort of loomed large over the uh, like a cloud over the fixture list, and especially yes. once this situation occurred. Well, so it's just nice to have not to have the pressure of it, of it really mattering. Especially those parallels with 2005 and Liverpool getting to the Champions League final and playing a Manchester team at home. And, oh God, I've been stressing about that for weeks. <laughs> but uh, there we go. So you can look, sleep again. I know, I know. I've got to catch up on about four months sleep now. But uh, there we go. So look, I, I had three one as well. So I'm going to change it to four one. But I've written down here. Who cares? Enjoy it, and let's just end the season on a high. So uh, let's have a party at St Mary's, eh? Let, let's all have a disco, isn't that? That's what Tiff well, said. Oh, you've, you've definitely been reading my notes because I've got that <laughs> at the end of the pod. So <laughs> there we go, there we go. Thanks for listening and I hope you've enjoyed the post-Swansea podcast. Adam, thanks for joining me again. And uh, I just wanted to say on a personal note, we will be doing one more podcast, Adam, but it's been an absolute pleasure um, doing this with you this season. And I, it wouldn't be the same if you hadn't been involved. And um, I know everyone really enjoys listening to you and your input and your inside knowledge and all those sort of things. So I just wanted to say from a personal point of view, it's been uh, you know, a real pleasure. And I really appreciate you giving up the time that you have to do the podcast. No, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. I really have enjoyed it. It's been... Uh... It's been great. It's been a real experience for me too. I didn't quite know what to, what it would be like or what to expect, but it's uh, yeah, it's been great. And um, yeah, so I suppose while while we're congratulating each other, uh, thank you to you too. I say to everybody, you are the um, 
brains and the majority of the brawn behind the podcast. I just witter on, uh, you know, mainly on a Sunday night for, for an hour or two and you do all the heavy lifted and all the hard work. So, um, yeah, you deserve the credit. But I must admit, I, I also just would actually, while we're doing this then, while we're doing an Oscar speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm well enough but, here. Yeah, put on record, uh, as well. Thanks, um, to all the people who have listened because it's, uh, I didn't, honestly expect anybody to really much listen and, and the figures that we've had and uh, have been great and the feedback i love all the feedback we get um whatever it is whether it's good or bad or it's, it's mainly people uh, taking the mickey that's fine i enjoy it and um and it's been brilliant uh to have people contact us and tell us where they're listening from like all over the world it's just been it's been a real uh it's been really enjoyable um and it's good so it's been uh, i'm glad you asked me to do it and uh, I'm glad we've committed to, to doing this and uh, and to seeing our full season so it's been great yeah no fantastic well th- thanks very much as and yeah hopefully we can uh, carry on next year in the Premier League and just before we go I, I quickly wanted to give a, a shout out to Jordan Sibley and his team as well I know they they listen to the podcast and uh, you know very much appreciate them doing that they, they've obviously taken a lot of flack and abuse this season through the, the the online channels due to the performance of the team which has been no fault of their own but you know throughout that they've continued to sort of push out fantastic uh, coverage of the team and, and communicate lots of videos and content and all those sort of things so Jordan and your, your team if you're listening well done and obviously delighted that the club has stayed up for, for you and the effort that you've put in and you can start to focus and prepare for another season in the Premier League and I think all of us loved your uh, your review of the Marriott Hotel so well done on that this yeah they're a great they're a great team yeah love them love them to bits all there there's some some terrific people there obviously I see them a lot and uh, I've got some great friends there and know, we've known each other for a lot of us for a very very long time and uh and yeah, they're in a very difficult position, especially yeah. in a season that's tough. They're, they are literally almost the frontline whipping boys at the coalface a lot of the time. Uh, and it's been, I know how hard it's been for them and, yeah. and how, and I can assure fans as well who, who sometimes hammer them for stuff. I can, they are feeling it, I felt it as much or more than anybody else. Yeah, and they, they have spent such, uh, effort and energy and passion into trying to set the you know get the tone right in, in their communications and and uh and the content that they put out the the effort that they've put into trying to to recognize the situation the club are in and still do stuff that people enjoy and find value in but not to you know rub people's noses in it that's not going well rub people up the wrong way i mean it's it's been a re- if everything's been hard for fans it's been really tough for them yeah. and uh they're they're a great bunch and um kudos to them hopefully we'll all meet up and uh have a beer in the summer when it's a bit more relaxed <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no fantastic as, as i mentioned this isn't our last podcast of the season we'll be back for a, a final sort of end of season pod pod uh on the weekend of the fa cup final when uh, hopefully adam and myself will be joined by simon peach from the press association saints fan and steve grant the owner of saints web and we'll be looking to sort of reflect on what has happened this season and think about uh, what may happen going forward and uh, the dust that adam mentioned earlier may well have settled by then until then saints fans keep marching in and as adam said and as tiff nadal was said let's go down to disco <laughs> let's go down to disco da, la, la. the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with three for mental health awareness week this year beyond the pitch beyond the results we're here to connect fans getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans we're a team with two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. 
That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.